Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jared Pickney, and I'm joined today by owner, chef, and manager of Chow, Michael Tolson. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, so I know a little bit about you because we're kind of neighbors. I mean, here we are, right, in downtown, and... uh, I've had many great meals uh, at your restaurant. You even came and did a cooking class. You were gracious enough to do that for... And we appreciate that. Uh, that was fun. Well, man, I, matter of fact, we just I ran into a lady that's in our church uh, a while ago, and she said, can you ask him when he's going to come back and do that? And I was like, yeah, he's pretty busy right now, but uh, our, our people still talk about that. So, um, Michael, I'd love to dive into your story. I don't know a whole lot about your background, and I'm, I'm curious... Um, how you got to where you are today. Where did you come from? And um, yeah, how did you become owner slash chef manager of Chow here in Paragould and Cherokee Village? Well, I am from this area. I'm from Walnut Ridge. Um, I was I grew up and was raised in Walnut Ridge until you know, I finished high school. And then I left, um, actually moved to Jonesboro. I went uh, the first year of college in Jonesboro. And that's kind of where I got uh, into the restaurant business. There was, at that time, I, one of the only nice restaurants, I don't know if you, well, it was nice. It was, there was a Ramada in there on the corner of uh, Caraway and Nettleton. They had a restaurant there called Bowen's. It was mm-hmm. a, a buffet. And there was any other, there weren't any other hotels or um, restaurants of that kind anywhere. So we were busy all the time. And the chef there happened to be from Thailand. His name was, well, his last name was Shotinka Silpa. Not sure where he is now, but he really taught me a lot and got me interested in food. So that's how primarily I got interested in it. And you had no interest really up to that point? No. It was just a job. Didn't even point. think about it. I, it was a job while I was going to school my first year at ASU. How do you think he, uh, how, how did he make you interested in it? Is it? Well, he just had different techniques. That's, you know, the, the Thai influence, you know, they, they their food preparation is a little bit different than, um, you know, the, the American uh, food pep preparation. They use different ingredients. They use, you know, coconut milks and curries and everything. And and my palate just liked that type of uh, flavor, those type of flavors and that type of food. And so I just, next thing I know, the I started, you know, I, I worked really hard. I started as a busboy and worked my way up to assistant manager. And the next thing you know, I'm working for the company and traveling to different areas. They had different, they had about 10 restaurants, I guess, in Arkansas. So I started traveling around with them and ended up in Conway. And um, while I was there, Don, in the meantime, had gone to work and was opening a a seafood restaurant up in the heights of Little Rock. So he called me and said, can you come to work for for me? And I did. And so that's how it started. Wow. So from there, where did you go? Let's see, what what year was that then you went to Little Rock? Oh, gosh. Uh, That was probably in seven, in 73, 74, because then I was recruited by Cajun's Wharf, the first Cajun's Wharf that opened there, and they wanted me to come and manage um, an area of the restaurant, which was called the Patio Bar. Hmm. And so I did that, and I worked for Cajun's Wharf in Little Rock for many years and ended up going and opening uh, Cajun's Wharf in Nashville. So I moved to Nashville to open up Cajun's Wharf, and then we opened up Cajun's Wharf in Knoxville and you know, I worked for Cajun's Wharf for many years. I've never even heard of Cajun's Wharf. Well, they were in, they were big in Little Rock down on the river. They just recently closed a couple of years ago. They, after 30, 40 years. Okay. So you were working for Cajun's Wharf. You're managing different locations or had opportunity to do that. 
at what point? Where did you go from there? Well, I'm going to have to stop and think. I moved around so much. No, from yeah. there, um, <laughs> from there, I went and opened a restaurant. I met uh, some um, people in Nashville. Uh, you know, I'm sure most of the readers don't know these people, but uh, they they worked uh, in the opera there. Uh, Minnie Pearl, she was a famous. Mm-hmm comedian singer or whatever she did and chet atkins was a guitarist and they were opening a restaurant in knoxville called charleston's and so i went to work for them to open oh, this, nice. this restaurant how did you get hooked up with that uh they were customers at um the uh, restaurant in nashville Cajun's wharf in nashville it's down on the river where the stadium is built now across uh, from the main part of nashville okay so they were familiar with your work because they came in there. And so you go and you help start. Uh, where'd you say it was? Was it in Nashville? It, it was in Knoxville. In Knoxville, okay. I moved to Knoxville. And that's when I started uh, going to the University of Tennessee at the same time, opening this restaurant, started uh, studying food science. I never really went into the culinary part of, of uh, you know, the education. But I'm kind of self-taught just from experience over mm-hmm. the years. But I, you know, I, I, my degree is in economics, but I did study food science at the University of Tennessee and um, things that mesh together organizational behavior at New York University that helped me tremendously in having a successful business right now. Yeah. So when did you actually open your first business? When did you branch out? You're like, okay, now I'm going to be, I'm going to own this. Well, it goes kind of around. I ended up in Dallas working for a uh, gourmet food distribution company as a salesperson, and I met a lady that had a restaurant in the suburbs of Dallas. She decided she wanted to sell, and so I bought her restaurant, and that was the beginning of me having restaurants. It was called the Brimming Bowl. It was a very busy um, salad sandwich uh, soup place. Um in North Dallas. Okay. Have you owned any since then before Chow? Well, from there, we opened. I opened a catering company, and the catering company in Dallas was called Good Taste, and I, you know, did, you know, had quite a few clients there. And I got the opportunity to go buy another catering company in Oklahoma City. My grandparents were from Oklahoma City, and I had relatives there. I said, okay, this sounds good, so I went and did that. And there, in, in addition to having the catering company, I opened a restaurant called Millennium. And this is in Oklahoma City? In Oklahoma what City. What years? Uh, that was in 1994. That was around the uh, Unabomber days, Well, right? yeah, that's another story. I had been open, the restaurant had been open about a year, and, and then we had the bombing at the Merle Federal Building on the 19th of April, 1995. Uh, I remember that day very vividly. Um, I happened to live across the street on 5th Street, and um, it blew out all the windows in our apartments, and Jeez. so we lost you know, pretty much everything. They gave us an hour about a week after this happened to go get what we could get out of, out of uh, our apartments. And so you were there. You remember when it happened. You were living there in Oklahoma City. I was living there. I was not at home. We, we had the restaurant, and we were also... Uh, managing the catering at the St. Luke's United Methodist Church was a few blocks down. And so we were there when we heard the explosion. Oh, you could hear it. Oh, you could hear it because we were like 
three or four blocks away. You could hear it further away, but... Did y'all know what it was? We we went outside, and there was pieces of clothes and paper and everything and smoke just all over the sky. So we knew something. We didn't know what had happened, but we knew something horrible had happened, and we saw people started running down the street. But in the aftermath of that, the St. Luke's Church became a staging point for preparing all the foods for the volunteers for the temporary morgue the fbi we had to all go get clearance and take food down to the to that area every day so we saw to feed to feed the volunteers the people the 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 fbi that came in and set up there there was a temporary morgue that had a lot of people in it um how many people died in that attack uh, you you know it's been so long i don't remember it was over a hundred Jeez. I had, I lost one of my employees who had gone down there that morning to, really? to um, the Social Security office because she had just lost her husband. And then a little baby that was in my um, um, apartment building was in the daycare, which oh, was on the first man. floor. But if anybody ever gets the opportunity to go to see the memorial in Oklahoma City, it's quite amazing. It's beautiful. So this, so that, I mean, that was a personal attack then. Because you didn't, it wasn't just like, oh, this is a really disastrous thing. You lost two people that you knew. Yeah, it, you know, it's really interesting now. You know, I, of course, I still think about that and I can still see clearly that day what happened and remember going down there every day and watching them, you know, uh, search for um, remains and hopefully, you know, search for uh, people that survived. But, um, it was it wasn't a it wasn't very pleasant. It was very traumatic. But do you remember what it was like? What the atmosphere was like in the city, like living there? It was very quiet, very solemn. Um, and it changed what people were doing. My restaurant, it was called Millennium, was an upscale restaurant. People just stopped coming. People started going back to basics, and people started. Mm-hmm you know, thinking about, you know, what's really important to me, you know, family and friends and, and people just like changed for the good. Do you feel like that you changed after that? Um, I definitely changed. I became more thoughtful. I became more interested in what other people were doing in other people's lives, especially, you know, my staff. I think it's, it's important that you know, we learn each individual because each individual, you know, I, I learned have different needs. And, you know, so you have to treat people differently in your work environment. You can't treat everybody the same way. It mm. was a, kind of a wake up call for me. It's so easy to to take the people around you for granted because you just think you have so much time with them. And that happens in time. You know, you just get wrapped up in what you're doing and you start taking people around you for granted. Yeah. So this is, what you said, that was 95? That was 95. Okay. I continued the catering company and until about um, 2000 and then had the opportunity to move to New York City. Oh, wow. And um, how did you get that opportunity? Um, well, I had taken a, a position up there with, um, it was a, uh, called the Rockefeller Foundation. 
uh, turned out not to be what I wanted to do. And at the same time, my nephew, who worked for Apple, uh, was being transferred from Austin there to start opening the flagship store down in Soho. So it was a good opportunity for both of us to go at the same time. And, you know, it made it a lot easier on him and on me because we were together and we've always been really close. Yeah. Um, from Walnut Ridge. Yeah, from Walnut Ridge. To New York City. But, it's a um, little bit different. A little bit different. <laughs> what was that experience it, like? It was a great experience. Um, you know, I'd been to New York, you know, many times before that, before I moved up there. So I knew, you know, what okay. it was like and what I was getting into. But the whole aspect of actually moving up there and living there, finding an apartment, uh, it's not as easy as finding an apartment here. <laughs> Um, oh, I bet. But not as cheap either, right? No, not as. Oh, definitely. And you said not. this is two thousand. What's or, that? Did you say this is in two thousand that you moved there? Two thousand. Okay. Were you there during nine eleven? Well, I had gone to work for a restaurant called Light Horse Tavern, which was an exchange place. And at the time, I was living in Brooklyn Heights, which was right across the East River, and my workplace was across on the Hudson River, an exchange place, which was a group of office buildings that that face or mirror the World Trade Center. So my path to work every day was to get on the C train, take it to the World Trade Center, go down in the World Trade Center to the path, and go underneath the river to Exchange Place. That day, on 9-11, the train got stopped, and we had to walk on the tracks and come up uh, at a station on Wall Street, and when we came up, everybody was, you know, kind of in shock about what was going on. And we, we saw the fire and the smoke coming out of the World Trade, one of the, the buildings, but we didn't know what had happened. We didn't know if it was an explosion. We didn't know what had happened, and nobody around us knew. And This is after the first plane hit? Yes. So as we stood there, I don't know, maybe it was, I, I don't remember, that part of it was a little bit of a blur. We, we saw another plane coming in, and, and then, of course, everybody knew what had happened in that plane. Did you see the, the second plane hit? We saw the second plane hit. Jeez. Sometimes it's hard to talk about this. Um, we, we saw people jumping out of the, the building um, it was, um, yeah, it was really, um, it's hard to describe. It is hell, man. It's hard to describe. Um, you know, that interrupted, you know, so many lives. Um, it's, um, it's hard to imagine that something like that could happen on U.S. soil, but. What, what um, as you, I mean, I'm, I noticed you get teary-eyed just thinking about it. What. What evokes that kind of emotion as you sit back and you think about it now? Well, you know, you can still, you know, see those little things fall, falling out of the building. And, of course, it took, I don't know, several minutes for, to realize that those were people jumping out of the building. Um, I think we really woke up when we realized that the first building fell down and where we were, there's just this cloud of whatever was coming down the street. So they directed us, um, you know, to run, uh, run away down the, the side of the East River. And 
I ended up going back over the Brooklyn Bridge, walking uh, to get back to my house. I um, I lived over there in an old candy factory in a penthouse on the which was nice on the old candy factory. I don't know how I ended up with that, but on top of my when I went out on my deck, there were papers, burned papers and stuff falling out of the sky from from offices and stuff with with people's names on them, you know, tax records and everything. And of course, I I still have those in a folder. And really. Occasionally, I'll look at those, and you know, they're all burned around the edges. But it's I've often thought, should I give those to somebody? But I'm sure there were no. I mean, sure. I don't know what you know what people would do do with them. So I just kept them as a memory for myself. But anyway. That'd be a terrifying experience. Um, it was, um, you know, it was an experience. You know, you know, I, my mom always was afraid to come and visit me anymore. She goes, "I'm afraid to come and visit you because, yeah. you know, I don't." That she she was making a joke, you know. Yeah, but yeah. the 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 tragedy of that was just unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I'll always remember that. I'll remember the aftermath when I had to change my route to work. I had to go get on a ferry and go around the tip, and we could watch people working, um, you know, down in the World Trade Center trying to, there were no survivors, but, you know, people were still, you know, excavating and looking for, for um, you know, remains. But um, Michael, you may be the only person in the world, maybe I'm wrong, but... There can't be that many people, if anyone else at all, who has been a part of the Oklahoma City bombing and the attacks on the World Trade Center. Do you I've, know anybody else who was at both of those events? I don't know, but I, I've thought about that before. I said, you know, you think there's somebody else that was in Oklahoma City? And <laughs> I mean, both do. of those are like once in a, not even once in a lifetime events, like once in like, not even once in a generation events, and you were, you witnessed both of those. Yeah, you know, um, they were experiences. Those traumatic events. They were experiences that, you know, changed parts of my life and the way I think about things and think about how, um, you know, how valuable lives are and, you know, how many families were interrupted. And I'm so fortunate, you know, I have a, have no tragedy in my life and, you know, my family's very close and you know I, i'm i'm very fortunate yeah to think about though coming from little peaceful Walnut ridge arkansas and then to the experience i mean it's just how how do you think the 9-11 attack changed you did it just further solidify some of what you already the, the perspective that had changed in oklahoma city or do you look back on it and see how maybe this one was even different it was a little bit a little bit different it made me softer uh, more understanding more affectionate um, why do you think that is you say softer because sometimes you know when tragedy hits it makes people harder right like harder towards whether it's god or just people right cynical and the fact that you're just like you know what people are i i think for me it's that i realized i need to be more understanding of people and i tell people my i tell my staff in the restaurant too they said that customer's you know, they're just not, not very nice today. I said, well, I said, you have to remember, you don't know what that person has been through today or ever. That person could have just lost a child, a mother, something, you know, 
horrible could have just happened to that person. So you have to think about that. You don't know what happened to that person. It's like someone told me once, it's like the the father that gets on a train with his two little kids and they're running around and everything. And the lady said, you know, why can't you control your kids? And he said, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm just trying to figure out how to tell them that their mother just died. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's that kind of mm-hmm. uh, situation. And, I mean, you don't know what brings people to act the way they do. And it could be something, you know, not not nice. And Yeah, we have a saying around here that hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And so... You know, if you meet someone who is angry and they're cutting other people down and uh, it's just so easy to get defensive and get angry back and cut them down, which you see on social media all the time, right? Yes. And it's like, it's it's so hard to have that empathy whenever people are mean like that to be able to be like, hang on, hang on a second. For someone to be like that, they must have gone through something horrific. And to be able to just... That's a totally different perspective than most of us have. Yeah, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah. I do social media for my business, but I don't do social media personally for that reason because sometimes I'm shocked at some of the things that people post, not realizing that's going to be there for a long time. Yeah, and and we don't, you know, you can say anything you want behind the screen because you feel like you're hidden. So, you know, there's things we would never say to each other's faces. But whenever you're at home, you're like, I say something. I don't care what you think or how it makes you feel because I'm not going to see you and I'm miles away from you. And it can be a toxic place for sure. So, man. We probably uh, should move on from there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That's I had no idea. I didn't know that, Michael. I had no idea. And so, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I'm sorry that you experienced that. And I'm sorry that others have had to experience that as well. So that's a the unfortunate reality of living in a, a fallen and broken world. I think it so. changed my life, so, you yeah. know, I, I think positive about yeah. it. So where did you go from there? From there, I moved to um, San Francisco. Um, the complete other side of the country. The complete yeah. other side of the country. It was because my nephew, who was working for Apple, was being transferred out to San Francisco to open the flagship store in San Francisco. And this had happened. It changed the business of the restaurant and I'd basically finished I was studying go at the same time studying uh, organizational behavior at um, NYU and I said you know it's a good time to, to leave um, at that time I had not finished I had enough hours probably to get three degrees but I never <laughs> finished and I was trying to do that at NYU but I went to San Francisco and finally finished at the University of San Francisco there and that's where I got my degree in economics and I was out there working for several companies um, I worked for a Caribbean uh, restaurant which was a lot of fun which took me to the Cayman Islands uh, from San Francisco um, and also while I was in San Francisco before I moved out to the Cayman Islands, I, I was managing a, um, an uh, Italian gourmet food market, which was a lot of fun. And um, Anyway, from there, I went out to the Cayman Islands, stayed at the Cayman Islands for a couple of years. <laughs> Suffering. Well, the Cayman Islands. It, I was there for two years, and a hurricane came through, and I... I stayed there, and after that, I gave notice and left. I said, I can't, I don't want to go through another hurricane, so. <laughs> what hurricane was it? Do you remember the name? Um, 
I don't remember. I'm terrible with names. Hurricanes, people, um, whatever. I just don't remember them. I'll think about it in a minute. And when I do, I'll tell you. So you you wrote it out, though? I did write it out. What was that like? Well, I mean, you grew up around tornadoes, obviously, but yes, it's a little I, different. It was it was really different, especially when you think, you know, hey, I'm stuck here on this little bitty island, <laughs> and there's this yeah. these winds coming, and I'm sitting there about, um, probably it's about 15, 20 hours before it was supposed to hit, but it was very windy. I said, oh, no, I just realized I forgot to get wine. So I got my coat on, and about a half mile down, the winds were blowing the rain straight across, so I'm going like, you know, my head down. Um, I had to get some wine. <laughs> you had to get the essentials, man. If you're going to ride out a uh, hurricane, you probably need a couple bottles of wine. Anyway, I did that, got back, uh, bolted my doors, and got back into a room that had no windows. And um, um, drank a little wine, watched some movies that I downloaded on my computer, fell asleep, woke up the next morning. I was still there. <laughs> Trees were down. It was flooded. And, um, I mean. Why did you stay? I waited too long to leave. I was trying to get a restaurant. The restaurant I oh, worked man. at closed down, and then they. So you wanted to get out of there? Yeah. Then they stopped the flights. I had a ticket to leave, and I just, I just waited didn't make too long. It in time, yeah. Were you ever afraid you were going to die? No. So it didn't get that bad. I, you know, it's hard to think that way. It's you know. I mean, I've never physically had anything bad happen mm-hmm. to me, so I you. I don't know, for some reason I think, you know, that can't happen to me, which is not true. Sure. Anything can happen to anyone, but that was my mentality at the time. I, it was whatever, you know, I was there. You go through a Oklahoma City bombing and a terrorist attack, I'm sure there's probably part of it too where you're just like, okay, like, man, all right, survive those two things. I mean, you have a hurricane come, but fortunately you made it out of that too yeah, somehow, man. Another crazy event that yeah. most of us in Paraguay, Arkansas will never experience. Well, there were no deaths, fortunately, mm-hmm. you know, in that hurricane. And uh, I yeah. think they recovered in a couple of months. And Yeah. So after the hurricane, what happens next? You kind of pick up the pieces there and stay I, for a while or you move no, on? No, I, I went back to San Francisco and stayed there for a little while. <laughs> My nephew was moving, being transferred back to New York City to open another Apple store. And so I went back and I said, you know, I'm going to get out of the restaurant business. And I got into the real estate business. Really? Yeah. What was that? What year? um, Let's see. That was, that was around, that was before I moved back here. So that was in um, 2008 to 2010. How'd you like real estate? I loved it. It gave me the opportunity to go all over New York, showing apartments, renting apartments, and selling. Um, I saw some amazing places for some amazing prices, and I was fortunate to sell some amazing places. And uh, it just gave me the opportunity to discover the city. What was the most expensive piece of property Um, you got a chance to sell? I sold a penthouse apartment on the Upper East Side for eight and a half million dollars. Wow. And every time I sold something, the people always paid cash. Jeez. 
Oh man. I'm just going, who are these people? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So how long were you in real estate? You said you should be there until what year? I was there until two thousand ten and okay. that's when I came back. Um yes. my father passed away in two thousand six, so I wanted to move back to be closer to my my mom and uh, my brother and sisters who are all still here. Okay. And, They're all in Walnut Ridge? Uh Walnut Ridge and Jonesboro. Okay. And so I was that I, a hard move for you? Like, oh. well, you know, so you've been in these big cities, man. Yeah, yeah, I know it was, and I, I knew, you know, I I came to work and interviewed at. I mean, I came to uh, Paragul and interviewed at the Paragul Country Club. Okay, and that's you know where I um, started working when I first moved okay. back. I didn't know that. And they asked me, um, you know, are you sure you know you want to move from New York? I said. I grew up here. I know what I'm yeah, getting into. Yeah. It's, you know, I know there's an airport an hour and a half away. As long as I'm close to an airport, you know, I can, you know, go wherever I want to. Yeah. And I learned a long time ago, and I also tell my staff this too. I said, you know, you can make your environment happy or you can make it miserable. It's your choice. Mm. It's that simple. Mm. Uh, but anyway, I mean, there are great people here. Paragool, living in Paragool for the past 11 years, I feel like, it's more my home than any place I ever lived before. Really? Why do you say that? I've just met amazing people here. You know, I, I when you say amazing, like what do you think makes them amazing to you? What is what classifies as an amazing person? They are um, just down to earth, sincere, honest. Everybody mm. I met, people. Mm. Um, I've learned many stories. I become good friends with many many people here in a short period of time and mm. it's just i could never see myself leaving that's saying a lot that you've lived in all these different places like nice place i mean san francisco new york these are people a lot these are places people go to vacation right san francisco new york city even nashville Absolutely. dallas right? i used islands. to go vacation in those places but it's different when you live there yeah yeah and for you to have yeah for you to have gone there and lived there and now be here and say like, yeah, this is more home. And I would, I would rather be here than there. That says a lot. And you think it's about the people you're saying, right? Well, it's about, absolutely. It's about the people. You know, we talked about some of them earlier, you know, I've become dear friends with those people. And I think those people consider me as close friends as they do people that they have known for 30, 40 years. Yeah. I feel in that same category with them as the friends that they've had for 30, 40 years or a lifetime. Well, the reason that is, is because like you said, you've, some of these traumatic experiences that you've endured have not hardened you, but softened you. And when somebody meets someone else with a soft heart, they're approachable and you want to have a relationship with someone like that. It's easy to have a relationship with someone who has a soft heart. And so, um, you know, I saw, I told my wife, I saw some, an older gentleman pull up beside me the other day at Waffle House. Don't judge me. I like Waffle House. I, I go to Waffle House. Okay. All right. And so, um, I, but then an older man pulled in, he had a van that said, um, want good friends, be a good friend. And so true. Yeah. And so that's something that I, that I know is important to you and you're modeling that well. So you are at the country club and then when did you decide, you know what, I'm going to go start chow. Uh, I think the opportunity arose when a building became available downtown that had previously been a restaurant, 
And so we <clears throat> decided to get that building and start doing catering, build a catering business, uh, chow catering. And our intention was to just do catering and um, we needed the kitchen to do that in, do catering and um, maybe open the restaurant, something simple um, on Friday and Saturday nights. So we got the, the uh, space, started doing some remodeling, and next thing I know, we are opened as a full-surface, um, high-end restaurant. And as soon as we opened the doors, we were busy from that time on. Were you aiming at being a high-end restaurant or no, just kind of fell was, into it? that was, we, it just happened. I don't even, I can't, looking back, I said, how did this happen? You know, this is. In Paragol. Yeah, in Paragol. And how can, how has, have we been able to sustain this type of uh, a business in Paragol? How have you been able to do that? <clears throat> well, I think it's because that we were, we offer something different that, uh, and unique as far as our food, the products that we use, the atmosphere, our approach, the presentation. Uh, and like I, we were talking about earlier, now we've been open for six years and I see uh, so many new people coming in there that are any, entertaining somebody from out of town or it's a birthday or anniversary and they bring people there um, for the environment, and I hear so many times, you know, we feel like we've stepped out of Northeast Arkansas. Not that that's a bad thing, but that we've we've traveled mm -hmm. to someplace else, like to you know uh, a city, mm -hmm. to have dinner, and then we're going to step back out, and it's just a few minutes to get back home. Mm -hmm. um, I hear that a lot, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. of course, just recently, I guess it's been um, maybe a year that we completely remodeled the restaurant again. We try to put you know, our, some of our profits back in to keep the, the restaurant changing. So we've completely remodeled. We have a new look. Uh, also, another um, thing that we did when we first opened is we started changing our dinner menu every week. So I if, didn't know that. if regulars come, there's like once a week, it's like a, going to a different restaurant because our menu is different. How do you do that? Well, it's not... It's, it's not easy. It's, um, you know, it's a process. We have to just be on top of, of what's available. All of our fishes, we have our fish flown in fresh um, from different areas, you know, from Hawaii or Miami. Um, but That's pretty incredible. Your, your ingredients, you try to get, you try to use the freshest ingredients as possible. We do. And, you know, we, like, we, we're, we're always uh, trying to to improve our presentation also we have michael green michael green's flown in from san diego a couple times a week um, michael green who's that uh forgive me no I, i'm saying micro oh wow they said micro <laughs> michael green okay i don't know now, now. <laughs> i was like you fly yeah, in no, this michael, michael green guy micro, micro green yeah okay now i'm with you uh, and um you know we use different uh, purees and sauces, and, you know, we, we try to keep a couple stable things, but we try to make a few changes to them, like, you know, our, our filet, and we always have um, uh, chicken 
we make our own pastas. We make our own raviolis. Really, I, I hand didn't know make. That. Yeah, I hand make all the pastas. That's what I've got to go do when I get back. We ran out of the ravioli, so I have to to roll out the pasta dough and and make the filling and and we. How many hours are you putting in? I usually now I get to work about seven and finish about ten, but with Cherokee Village going through a transition right now, and we've remodeled it, so we'll be opening that on Monday. So I work here during lunch, and then I'll zip up there, work up there, and then I'll come back through Walnut Ridge and go sit with my mom and then come back to Chow. And 10 or 11, I get home. But as long as I can get about seven, six or seven hours of sleep, I'm fine because I I love my work. So it makes a difference if you love your work. It's not a situation where I get up and, oh, my gosh, I've got to go to work today. I don't do that. I get up and I go to work and I have good help. Yeah, that's huge. It's uh, whenever we're trying to help people um, figure out what to do for a vocation, for a career, we take them through what we call a motivated abilities exercise, which is identify 10 things from your life, from your past that you are both, you were good at and you enjoy doing. And like, if you can marry those two things together, like things you were, you're good at doing and you enjoy it, like then you got a vocation. Like you're going to have a good career. Cause like you said, you don't wake up every day dreading it, you know. And those two things are really important. And you're you're a great example of someone who is good at it and passionate about it because you can be passionate about something. And if you can't cook, it don't matter how passionate you are, no one's going to show up, you know. But if you're also really, really good at it, but you hate it, you're going to burn out, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, people burn out quite often in, you know, a lot of um, corporate jobs. And, you know, I've seen it happen many, many times. And I've seen people get burnt out at the restaurant. Um you know, you have to be very passionate about it. And, you know, it's difficult. I understand that, you know. You know, sometimes you get to a point, especially in the restaurant business, where you can't move. Your moves are just, they're not horizontal. They're more lateral. So people want to move up. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we just don't have any place for, you know, any further place for them to, to go, which sure. is sad. You know, we're not a big chain. Yeah. How do you find good help? Well, um, sometimes word of mouth, there's not a big labor pool of restaurant staff in this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, we resort to people that we have working for us that may know somebody that would like to start working. And as a matter of fact, right now, most of our service staff are seniors in high school or sophomores in high school. And that's where we've been getting our staff. Mm-hmm. They're great kids. You know, if you can find somebody that really wants to work, I'd rather work with with if anybody out there needs a job that's in high school, just come and see me. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'd rather work with those kids. Uh, they're working in an environment that uh, most kids in towns this size do not have the opportunity mm-hmm. to, to experience. And I tell them, you know, you're learning things here that as you grow and, you know, finish school and get into a business, you're going to look back and say, you know, I already know that I, I worked at Chow. When you're, if you move to a city and you're going out, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And, and that these, brings you a lot of joy to know yeah, that you're does. helping them. And these kids learn really quickly. Yeah. And they're good. They're energetic and fun. And Custom- you know they're here for a while. Exactly. And the customers love them. You know, I have three seniors that are graduating this year, so I, I you need to find three I better more. start looking. <laughs> <laughs> what are you most proud of when you think of what you've accomplished? I know it's a loaded question. 
Uh, well, I, I'm I'm proud that I ended up in Paragool and have as many close and wonderful friends that I have. I'm, I'm very fortunate. Of course, I have my family, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think right now I'm proud that that during everything that has been going on in the past year that we've been able to maintain. Yes. And, um, you know, whether this, um, the COVID pandemic and still survive and which we did. And right when it happened, we made some quick changes and we were able to do that. And I know a lot of businesses didn't really know how to make changes like that and so we completely you know altered some things that we we're doing and started doing takeouts and carryouts even selling groceries because if you remember when it first started Which people couldn't find groceries today is march 11th and i just yes. found out this you know we're, we're close to march 11th yeah. this is the anniversary for whenever it was declared a global pandemic and i remember coming down michael i think it was probably Either that day or the very next day or just a couple days later and getting some salmon yeah, uh, from you. Right. <laughs> and uh, and I was the only one working in the office at the time, and nobody knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And I remember you and I talking about it, like, what does this mean? You know, for, what does it mean for the church? What does it mean for – and you hit on something that is so incredibly important, and it is the importance of, ad- of adaptability, of being able to change. Um, because there's so much in life you can't control. And no matter how good of a business plan you have or just a plan in general, there's just going to be times where life's going to – it's just going to blow up on you, man. Like things are not going to go the way that you planned for right. them to go, right? Whether it's a bombing or a terrorist attack or a hurricane or a pandemic right. or something as you know, the death of someone that you love or the loss of a job or whatever. And the people who make it are those who are able to adapt I mean, and change. Who would have ever thought, and of course this was right after we remodeled the restaurant, we were so excited, and then this happened, and we couldn't even let people see, you know, and we were, you know, had just gone to great expense to do that, and we're sitting there wondering, what are we going to do, you know? we. Did you ever have moments where you just broke down and cried? Or that you were just like, oh man, like I don't know if we're going to I didn't have time it. to do that. I was too yeah. busy planning and you know, scaling back and, and have you taken a chance to look back and celebrate it that you uh, guys have made it through it? Have you taken an opportunity? Oh, many times, you know, with, uh, you know, other stakeholders and the staff and staff that we, that had to be laid off at the time that are back now. Um, you know, everybody's, you know, thankful that, you know, hopefully this is on the downslide and, things will start getting back uh, to normal. I know it's still going to be a while before that actually happens. And, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I, you know, I hope that um, I'm waiting to get my second vaccination. And I hope that people out there are, you know, taking advantage when they can of, uh, you know, doing the same thing. It's just, you know, it's amazing that it, this past year has been, you know, such a struggle for many people. You know, and I, I, I think about that often about the businesses. It's, I know some business people that had businesses in small businesses everywhere, but in New York, I knew some uh, people personally that are not going to be able to reopen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's hard. I, there's so much I know, Michael, we could talk about. And I, 
you know, would like to ask you, and I've got all these questions that are running through my mind, but I think, um, you know, this is a, a good place to stop. I think I'll end just kind of with this question um, for you. What What would you say you want others to know about Chow? Is there anything, um, maybe for those who are listening, that they just don't know about the restaurant or they don't know about your you know, your heart, your drive around that or no, hang on, actually, I'm going to call, I'm going to, I'm going to change that question. We're going to edit that out. Cause I've got another one. I think I want to ask, um, let me just think of how I want to phrase it. I'll just ask it. This is what I'll ask is how I'm going to end it. Cause I think you'll be able to get the question or the same answer, but it'd be a better way to set it up. So Michael, there's so many questions I would like to ask you, but I think we'll end here. Um, what's next? for you as you look forward um you're how old now if you don't mind me asking no i'm i i just turned 69 so oh awesome so you're 69 yeah Yeah, so with the years that you have left um maybe i just ask you this how do you want to spend your time uh what do you want to do and maybe just kind of even on the heels of that like what do you want to be known for well, I, I want to be known for for Chow. I want in in Paragould, I want to be known for a uh, success, as a successful entrepreneur um, with a you know amazing uh, restaurant for people to come and experience. Um, you know, I know I'm 69. I don't feel 69, and I'm sure everybody says the same thing, and that's great. I can't see myself retiring anytime soon. But at the same time, I think I'm looking back and say, you know, I'm 69. In 11 more years, I'm going to be 80. Um, you know, we don't know what physical condition we're going to be in. Um, I just hope I'm, I'm very fortunate because I'm from a my great grandfather was 105. My grandmother was 105. Jeez. My mother's 95 on a different side. So I think That's I have good, good DNA, genes. Man. So I just need to to stay healthy i need i i try to eat right um i try to drink um you know not in excess Mm -hmm. and i just try to take care of myself i think that's very important because i want to be healthy the healthier i am the the more i will be able to continue working because i don't want to stop working Mm -hmm. i i don't know what i would do Mm I I guess I could donate some time to the church or, Mm -hmm. you know, to other organizations. And that's probably what I would do with Mm -hmm. my life Mm -hmm. uh, because I still want to be out and be around people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if I can do something to influence other people, you know, I would love that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a great place to stop, Michael. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was great having you. for having me. So that was Michael Tolson. And to thank Bill, whenever he walked in the room, he was... Like, hey, I don't have anything interesting to talk about, guys. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? I mean, probably the only guy in the world who was in Oklahoma City during those bombings and then in New York City on 9-11. And he was also involved in a hurricane. Crazy. Living From Walnut Ridge and now runs a successful and amazing restaurant right, right here, here in Paragold. Yeah. Hey, if you're still listening, as always, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, if you have not done so, give us a like on 
iTunes. That helps people to find our podcast and learn more about the great uh, people living here in this city. Also, you can check us out at paragoldpodcast.com. We're also on all the social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And if you've not subscribed to our email list, please do so. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.